Welcome to episode 69 of the Better With Running podcast. My name is Matt Davey, coach of run to pb and alongside me as always, I'm joined by run to pb coach Zach Newman. Welcome back to the show, mate. Thanks, Mattress. Yeah, excited to be back on for another uh, another episode, mate. And um, yeah, we've, we have a special guest um, once again. We've got Sammy the Shoe Dog back in for some um, more shoe chat. Uh, yeah, it's one of the most popular segments going around. It's just amazing the amount of questions around shoes we get and um, that Sammy's able to, to educate us all on is, um, yeah, it's quite overwhelming. So it's great to have him on and um, discuss a, a few of those points. Yeah, it is, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, have that, have that wisdom onto the show and, and bring some, um, yeah, bring some, I don't know, Good chat about about shoes and so knowledgeable and obviously yeah working there at the running company Yarraville has a has a really good background in in the space. I think it's um it's evolved as well the amount of focus I guess we do have on our shoes now and the, the technology has helped um you know the, the advent of super shoes but I think I don't know you and we'll talk a bit we've got to actually um a listener question a bit later about our you know experiences as as runners and now coaches and um we've been on on the journey for a while in the in the running caper but I, I just feel like over the years that there probably hasn't been as much chat about shoes in the past few years and there has been to now um yeah how do you feel about that mattress is that something you you focus a lot more on now yeah definitely a lot more on now i think just yeah like you said the, the technology has just advanced so much that it has made big changes and and i see more around that um like specifying, you know, what what run you're going to do and therefore what shoe mm. should you wear for that run rather than just saying, oh, it's just a run. This is the shoe I wear all the time. Yeah. Um, it really has evolved into that sort of um, space, I guess, and that sort of way of, of people thinking about their, their shoes and, and what run they're meant to be used for. Yeah, like, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into our weeks and even if you think about your week, you may look at a session and in your plan and you may sort of start to think around what shoe you're going to be using for that as opposed to just back in the old days it was just like you had your flats on those days and there was you know two pairs of shoes and you didn't kind of worry about whether you needed a shoe for your Sunday run or a recovery run or so yeah I think it's I think it's a good um I think it's a good change um because I think it's helping our bodies um in particular for myself as I get a bit older recovering better yeah I've definitely noticed it that yeah ability to recover using the super shoes, especially for, for the sessions rather than the old school flats. Mm. Um, yeah. has really enhanced it. And yeah, as well as that, like I, I know I've been running in the invincibles, uh, especially when I'm doing warm downs from sessions, even. Yeah. So chucking those on, cause they're just so cushioned and mm. just, yeah. So nice on the body um, after banging out a hard session. And then even the next day wearing them as well. Um, yeah, just for if I feel like I, I need that bit more recovery and a bit more cushioning on the on my feet. Like a golfer having a few few different clubs in the in the in the golf bag to bring out for certain certain holes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> big, big, well, last week you bought the the big Bertha out. You brought the driver out in the uh, the five k time trial, and we uh, 
yeah, it's it's still with the judges. Uh, apparently, there's there's still discussions about if um yeah maybe I got you got got you in the end or uh, there may have been some dodgy GPS going on. Not sure, but um <laughs> how did you pull up after that? Yeah, it was um yeah pretty good actually. Um, I was I was probably um body wise was alright. Just probably I don't know a little bit more fatigued maybe than than normal, and and that's why yeah this week I I um. I cut back to one session in the week, one sort of structured session in the week. And I also wanted to have a bit of fun. I know down here, um, down in God's country in the morning to Peninsula, it seems to be a bit of um, CR hunting season, Zaka. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so so I um, yeah joined in on that for a little bit on a few of the runs and just, yeah, just looked at a few maps before before going out for runs and just knowing where a few of the segments laid and, and yeah, tapped a few of them, as, as especially for my Tuesday run. Um, so your Tuesday was going to be relatively easy and then you throw in this, this segment hunt. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, and, and because of, I mean, there's no races yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm enjoying the process of just of training, but mm. I did want to throw in another element there and, and I'll, like if there were races going on, there's no way I'd be doing that sort of yeah. thing, but I wanted to, you know, have some fun with it. And, um, and, and it's yeah. pretty safe coming off that 5k on, on the Saturday you've had it, you know, decent amount of time to recover so it's not going to do you too much damage mm, that's yeah exactly and i know the segments that i'll, I'll look for were longer ones that weren't really short sharp yeah you know, balls out for um i don't know a minute or something like that this one you know on the tuesday there was a there's a 1.8k climb um and i just yeah i wanted to have a crack over that one and so I did that and then and sort of i know i just get, i guess i used it as a bit of a strong 50 to 60 minute run um and so yeah did the 1.8k climb and then jogged across to a 2k undulating loop and, and had to go around that <laughs> and then sort of jogged home so there was just those couple of little efforts within that 50 to 60 minutes and in between those i i kind of kept pace fairly steady it wasn't just jogging real easy um so this uh utm is that what uh, you've titled it oh yeah that oh that was on the wednesday yeah that oh, okay. uh, so I'm on the... i called that one up the mountain because i know I see a lot of people saying over the hill, OTH. So. Yeah, yeah. Big Andy Buchanan does that. Yeah, that's where I got that from. <laughs> <laughs> All right, because I was like, I didn't actually go over the hill. <laughs> I just went to the top and then back down again, so I called it. Oh, okay. So I'm on the right one now. You've, um, yeah, cleaned up three three CRs. Yeah, I think one of them one of them had two in it. Um, one Like that 1.8K climb had, I think it was sort of like the first K was one and then the whole 1.8 was another and then yeah there was this 2k sort of undulating loop that we had a bit, of a bit of a crack over and yeah didn't like go to the well on them it was just more just a strong effort over them and yeah just a, something fun to to have a go at whilst we're um yeah in limbo with with races yeah a couple of those you put some uh put some times into the previous record holder that 13 seconds up on uh on the wind hagger block uh <laughs> so <fun>. yeah <laughs> Some random names around segments, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and then on the Wednesday, I got out for, and I guess actually the other thing this week, I wanted to get over some hills, uh, just a, a bit of that, a bit of a strength block, or a bit, a bit of just a strength week, really, coming off yeah. the back of that 5K. Um, yeah, so on Wednesday, went over and, and actually ran around. As I'd never been on this road before. It runs back behind the Mornington, um, Mornington race course. Oh, yeah um it's yeah it's got it's got a segment on it i didn't go for the segment it's called giddy up 
<laughs> and uh yeah i know oh, ben actually one of one of the guys who faced me um my mates he had a go at it and, and he got it um yeah during the week as well but um yeah so ran around there and yeah there was all these horses um trotting around i got to check them out and you know because it was reasonably early in the morning um they were probably just doing a warm down but <laughs> i'm probably up at like 5 a.m um and so yeah check that out and then got back over a couple more hills um and then yeah on thursday i did a few hill strides that i wanted to sort of shorter 10 second hill strides um in my 60 minute run and then yeah it took friday real easy and then saturday uh, you do those hill strides in the middle of the run yes so you kind of come yep. off that pretty activated and a bit bit fresher yep yeah that's the aim yep exactly just trying to i guess get i mean you increases the muscle tension uh, so you're a bit more responsive and you've got a bit more pop in the legs um and then coming into hoping that would help with the saturday session as well yeah. uh, rather than i find if i just jog around like all week yeah. end up just being a bit lethargic and and when you try to get into a session i, I do find it a little bit harder mm. uh, having something like that and yeah i, I usually i'll do like a 10 second heel and then jog around um for sort of a minimum two minutes like just slow jogging and then go again yeah. Um, yeah so i've got a good little 10 second climb and then that leads off to a, a flat bit of a road that i can just jog along and then back down the hill and around and then it yeah hit it again so i've just sort of got a, got a good little section that i like to do that session <clears throat> and then um yeah saturday i did i've never done this before i've always, i've done two laps of it but never three so three lap progressive run around frankston reservoir <clears throat> so it's 4.83k laps um and i've done a similar session around the tan in in melbourne yeah okay i don't know i've done it a couple of times with um sarah jamison mm. who yeah used to really nail this session she was so strong and yeah you used to be able to yeah just try to hang on to her for as long as possible so and basically one lap easy one lap steady and one lap hard um so the easy lap was just pretty much the warm-up so yep. i wanted to hold around 420 to 430 and so i did that one in 21 minutes and 40 seconds and there's no changing shoes you're just all no. the way continuous yep yep yeah that's it just continuous just straight into the next lap so that one was steady at about 350 ish so i hit that one bang on 20 minutes and then going into the last lap was hard so i wanted to hold around 330s and did that one in 1630 um so i kicked it down on that last that last um, lap and I was actually dry reaching at the end, Zaka. Yeah. <laughs> Off that last hour. Like, and the main thing is that you finish on this, it's it's not as long as Anderson Street Hill, but it's mm. much steeper. Okay. Really, it's actually like a, a really hard hill to go hard, to like, yeah. um, to, I guess, really maintain any sort of a pace. You just feel like you're walking up it. It's that, it's that bloody steep. Um, and so, yeah, I... I I got sort of halfway up the hill and and I was like, I was pretty curious as to thinking what, what sort of pace I was going. So I looked down, I was like 505 pace. I was like, oh, I'm <laughs> sure I can go quicker than this. And yeah. so I really put in a big surge. Over. It's, I think it's around about 200 metres long, the main section of the hill. Um, and yeah, I put in a big surge probably over that last 100 metres and then rolled down to the finish line. It's about another whoa, 400 metres to the finish line after the top of the hill. And yeah, I got to the end of that and I was... I was um yeah hurting a bit off that off that yeah that real push up that steep part of the um of the hill and so yeah I was um I was feeling it at the end um but yeah it was a good I find those sort of 
those sort of progressive runs and and I saw that you've got one in your week there mm. as well but they're just so good for the strength and, and patience as well because you yeah. know that you, you've got to hold back early otherwise you've got nowhere to go when you want to go hard uh, and yeah that that ranger in where you're pretty you know you're uncomfortable um not completely into the well but you know you're kind of building and I think as as even that first lap where you're just jogging and you're banging the legs up and you're getting yourself ready to not so much banging legs up but you're, you're putting um some running in the legs before you then dial it up again and I always find those 340s 350s can be a real test of um yeah just going through the I guess those early k's that that you get in a marathon without having, you know, to, to do a marathon is really good simulation of, okay, just got to relax and get through this 10 minutes and, and ride a couple of waves. And you've obviously, you know, been able to sort of almost click in once you hit that last lap, you know, you've gone into three thirties off, you know, obviously you're coming up the hill at four Oh sixes and, and mm. higher, but then to just be able to switch to another um, mode and, and get it done and, and roll back into sort of three thirties in the marathon pace. It's, um, it's good signs when you can do that. Yeah, it is. Um, and it, it didn't feel easy like that. The probably the three fifties actually felt, felt really mm. hard. And I was like, I don't know if I've got, I'm hoping that when I get, get around to, to get that last lap, I've got somewhere to go to. And yes, it was, as soon as I got into it, I found a bit of a, got into a good rhythm and, and found a bit of good, a bit of momentum going. It was, um, it wasn't as bad as I was, thinking it was going to be. And I guess also the, I knew it was my last lap. Um, and Completely the, solo? Have you got anyone out? Is uh, there any yeah, other people solo. out there or is it pretty lonely? Oh, yeah, there's a few other people. Um, yeah, a few, there's a few others that, that out there. But, yeah, no, I was just doing it by myself though. Yeah. Um, and that that time on your feet is a test, you know, is really good practice mentally doing, mm. that, you know, that sort of workout where you're just really having to lock in and, and, and try and relax and, um, yeah, I think that's that's a big benefit you get from those progression runs. Yeah, and I reckon I'll, it's a, it's one I'll I'll add in again. I reckon in not next week, but I'll probably maybe once a month or something like that. I'd yeah. like to do, um, and yeah, progressively push that harder harder one um, just a little bit quicker. Um, and then yeah, got out for two hour long run on the Sunday, and yeah, again I was trying to get over some hills. I got 470 meters of climbing, which is a bit more than what I've been getting in the previous few weeks. Yeah. Average 424s. Um yeah, for 139k a week. And yes, yeah, 700, 1700 meters of elevation. Cool. And which is up from yeah, I've been averaging just over a thousand meters for the sort of last four or so weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was quite a bit more climbing in the week and I definitely could feel it probably in that long run, but the legs yeah. were a little bit more banged up. But, yeah, I guess uh, today wasn't too bad. So, yeah, hoping that, yeah, getting that bit more climbing in the legs will really push the strength along. Yeah, in the, in the ideal spot for it. And um, I know, yeah, it's, it's something you've you've really developed over time, I guess, um, you know, previously. And um, you've done a lot of work up at Fernie Creek and your Sunday runs, you know, have been on hilly terrain. And um, I think, yeah really does help um you can sort of see that you really can eat them up over the hills where you get get rolling and off the back of sessions like that where you're doing a, a progressive on the on the saturday into a, a hilly long run it gets you so strong mm, that's right yeah and but the mizuno's on the mizuno skyway fives and yeah they performed for the long run 
Yeah, for the long run, yeah. Yeah, no. Nice. It's, it's not a session, not a shoe I'd use to do a pickup long run or anything, but sort yeah. of that, um, yeah, long run over those hills. And, and because they're not the lightest shoes, so it's probably not the ideal one that you want to go climbing too much on. But, yeah, it was it was fine for the support that it had. Um, yeah, pulled up pretty well from from that. And because there is, because the, where we run is, um, can be quite a bit of camber on the road and, and yeah. corrugations and things like that. And I found that, that to the, um, yeah, for that long run, that shoe worked really well. Nice. And what about you, mate? How was um, your week post 5K Belter? Yeah, I, I was really happy with the way I pulled up. And I think I, I um, had quite a lighter week leading into that um, 5K than you. And uh, obviously had to manage that little niggle that was fine in the end and was, was well and truly over that. So that was good that there was no sort of repercussions from that, that 5K and was able to, yeah, use the first half of this week to, to build some mileage. Um, and yeah, my focus really, uh, and similar to you was to, um, yeah, to get it, get that strength going again. And, you know, I think signifying the end of that block with that 5k and, and moving more towards a, a 10k half, potentially marathon focus, um, sort of keeping that window open until we know a little bit more about, um, yeah, whether there's an, an opportunity in December. So I'm, I'm sort of um, you know, a week or two away from being in a situation where I can sort of start to really use that as my uh, goal. But I, I wanted this week to, to yeah, build up some Ks and, and hit a bit more mileage. And, you know, I was able to get my Wednesday out to 80 minutes, which is in a marathon block, I tend to find, um, yeah, my, my midweek long run is a, is a cornerstone as well as the, the long run on the Sunday. So trying to get, um, yeah, just be in that position where I can, you know, add 10 minutes here and, and um, I'll be sort of back up to 90 minutes plus um, pretty easily. Yeah. Thursday, mate, I, um, yeah, I similar, like we just, just sort of touched on, I had a similar focus around, um, you know, more regression. I've called it a pickup run because I think it's slightly different to what I've done. Uh, I did pre-regression run a couple of weeks back where it was a bit more definitive around the paces. This one, I wanted to go a bit longer. I wanted to go 65 to 70 minutes. Ended up being 68 minutes, I think, in total. 66, I think. Yeah. 60, sorry, 66. Yeah, um, just because... I really wanted to spend more time at so 340s to 335s um, for you know, that 20 to 40 minutes and then work on getting back towards close to marathon pace, not quite marathon at the end, but uh, get, at least get a feel for it. And, yeah, I actually I struggled a bit after the uh, – it was a bit warmer on the Thursday and um, I did this a little bit earlier in the day. So I found like I was really expecting it to come out a little bit easier. Once I got into that 335 range, I was sort of hoping, yeah, I'll be able to just turn the screws and, and push down. But it's just some days, yeah, you just – whether you have a little bit more in the legs from a, a, an increase in mileage that you just can't seem to, um, to get the turnover. So I just had to – probably draw on some mental strength to um to get through that and and really focus on um, breaking it down which is which again it's great practice for the marathon because you do go through those um those tough tough spots and um those challenges but yeah i was happy with that i think um in the end though it was um uh, just bring it up 
339. 339s, yeah. So that's a strong, that's a tough run. Yeah, and I think what was probably different to the way I've done that and is um, getting out a bit more solid. So I was out in, you know, mm. already under three, even the first five cars under 350s. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's as opposed to other progression runs where I've started around the four minute K and then really brought it down into that, um, yeah, under, under marathon pace to finish. So a different session and um, yeah, still, still really happy with the, the result and yeah, pulled up well. And it's, yeah, it's, it's big, big mileage to sort of hit for me um, to do sort of 18K of that work. Yeah, and that's right. There's a, like there is that big difference between hitting four minute k's and dropping down to three fifties and into the second k and then under three fifties. There's a you're pushing the fatigue along a lot earlier in that yeah. section, which is going to make it a lot harder at the back end of it. Um, but you still hit the, the like there was a still three twenty six or three twenty five, three twenty seven. So it's still a, a good finish. Um, yeah, to it on on fatigue legs. Exactly. Yeah, just getting getting used to random fatigue and just thinking forwards about a marathon block potential mm. marathon sessions as to how they're going to feel. And yeah, cause I, you know, we did this probably the last four to six weeks of a lot of work at um, yeah. Getting back down to sort of that 5k, 10k effort and, and those paces, it's good to, to go back out and um, yeah, work on this system. Yeah. Good session. Yeah. And then following on that, just wanted to keep the, the strength going and um, yeah, move to a Saturday was a 25 minute, tempo i guess um i always find that's a good amount of time for me that you sort of it's a strong you can really yeah it's you get after it but you can't be it's not like 15 minutes where you can absolutely go for it it's just you've got to control yourself and being in tempo i want it to feel like i could hold this for 50 you know 45 50 60 minutes so i'm also cautious of um getting out there with with the intent, but not, not completely whacking it. And um, first 10 minutes, just um, I struggled a bit to get going and then I just had to relax and, and use a few sort of methods that you do um, in training sessions, just sort of even, even think back to, okay, I've felt like this before, um, you know, just, just work through this section, um, you know, in this period and uh, passed. And then I felt good again and kind of showed that, the fitness is, is really coming along when early on you can feel like it's not your day. And then by the, by the middle of the session, you're actually running on and feeling good. So I was sort of happy with the way I probably managed that mentally more than physically. Mm. Uh, and paces, um, yeah, it was really consistent in the end as well. Yeah. And average three fifteen for 25 minutes. Um, and yeah, yeah, you're right. It was really consistent. I mean, the second K, we've got 3.22. Yeah, it's going up a little bit of a rise. But then um, like 3.11 on the back down. Yeah, and it's just mechanically starting to feel comfortable in that sort of, you know, 3.10, 3.15. I mean, it was a 3.10 in there, I think. But um, yeah, around that 3.15 is just like getting to that and just flowing along and and really working on staying relaxed as, as much as possible in those um, in those workouts. Did you have the super shoes on for that one? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm doing all my um, my hard workouts in them. Just seems to be handling, you know, I'm recovering so much better in them. And, um, yeah, it's just seems to be working for me. So I'll keep going with that. Very good. Uh, and then, yeah, Sunday, 
just yeah, it was for me. The goal, I guess, was to get close to two hours. So hit just or go to two hours. I think on the end, I was just under it. One didn't time the loop to <laughs> to um, perfection. So I just got back, and I'm not big on running exactly to the time. I just I think I'd done enough. I'd sort of run enough in the legs that I was. I was tired and I thought, yep, I'm done. I don't need to, to push to a certain time. I can just get there and uh, finish the week at 115. But yeah, it was um, in comparison to you, Hill, I don't know how many, what's the um, elevation? I think right. my overall week was about uh, 460 <laughs> <laughs> and you had 1,700. So oh, you got, yeah. I've got 604 for you. Oh, sorry, 604. Yeah. Um, so yeah, quite a bit less uh, hills, but uh, yeah, that's your five k bubble, isn't it? As well, like not as yeah. many around where you, where you are. Yeah, exactly. And and look, um, there's probably another. There's twenty k less in there as well. So um, still though, it's a big like that's a that's a jump. That's the most k's you've done since yeah, like Gold Coast probably, got cancelled. Yeah, I've been hovering at that 104, and then like had that light week into the race. And I find coming off a race week, I can really, because I sort of have a lighter lead into it, I'm quite fresh off it. Mm-hmm. So I tend to find I can come, you know, if it's a big race, like if it's a you know, longer distance, yeah, definitely I, I wouldn't. But a, a 5K, I can actually come off that and, uh, and run more mileage. So, yeah, it works out yeah, well. Thanks. A 5k time trial as well like it, it is very hard to go at like exceptionally deep into the well it's almost yeah. like hit it sort of like 97 98 percent well it's very hard to go 100 percent unless you're in a race situation and you yeah someone off or something like so it is a, le- a lot easier to recover from i think mentally as well you don't come away from it feeling like mm-hmm. you've had a race it's i mean you've had a really hard hard session and you've you've done as you know as best you could on the day but yeah you don't have uh, all the other um, yeah, feelings you get after a race. Yeah. So I was able to sort of get back straight into the week and, and I was pretty um, pretty invigorated and ready to go for it. So um, I think that also helped. I think having the confidence that uh, the fitness is there to now layer on some, some Ks and, and start to head towards towards a potential marathon block. Now, I couldn't help but notice um, the photo you put up on Sunday. Uh, is this about the uh, recovery and such from Pillar? Yes, yeah. So um really excited to have um yeah, be part of the pillar team and yourself as yep. well as involved and quite a few other run to PB coaches have come on board as um, ambassadors and yeah, been already noticing the difference. And yeah, it's just, we're gonna actually hear a lot more about Pillar as um next week when have Damien Fitzgerald, the um the owner, the CEO of um Pillar, he's gonna jump on and actually um discuss a bit more about um where Pillar sits in the in the in micronutrition and i guess he's got some really interesting insights of a uh, previous ex um, professional rugby player so he's um he's you know been through some injuries and that was part of his um yeah it was part of his sort of why is to get into this and to help other um, athletes who have you know, been in the same similar situation so pretty excited there to um to catch up with damien and hear a bit more about that yeah, looking forward to, to having a chat and getting him on. And, um, yeah, obviously I'm very excited as well to be part of, yeah, um, part of working with them. And, and yeah, we've been sampling some of their yeah so far, Zachary. I know you've said that 
you feel like it, it might have even helped with with your knee um, and coming good? Yeah, the um, the joint supplements, uh, the motion armor, even you know I'm using the magnesium, so I've got a, a wide range. I've got a couple other supplements I'm trying out this week. So yeah, it's um it's an area that I know we've spoken a bit off off it uh, on about off air is that um, yeah it's it's something that a lot of runners just get a little bit lost as to what's out there in the market and what's good for them what's for mass market what's what's designed for runners and i think the pillar's really um really going um, you know educating runners and this is what damien's going to help us out with uh, next week and yeah there's there's a lot of um a lot of benefits to it and i'm excited to, to learn a bit more and now zach we also had uh, a result got sent through by Madeline Hine, a run to PB coach, um, that she was very excited about. One of her athletes, Mel Cullen. Yeah, that was um, that was pretty exciting to see that one come through on Sunday. Uh, it was a new PB for Mel, who joined Run to PB back in 2019 in September. So 45:40, she signed up. Um, she actually signed up for the breaking 20 project um if i recall and so yeah goal was around the um sub 20 minutes for 5k um she's also you know with with madeline worked on some other some other goals and one of them was to bring the 10k down and yeah smashed it out with a 41 17 around the track as well so yeah, it's been tough for um uh, for athletes um through the pandemic and you know the the highs and lows of not being able to get right. We had a, you know, um, Mel was actually out at Sandy Point. I don't she was, yeah. call. She did the 5K there or the 10, but... um, And Mornington, Mornington Running Festival as well, sorry, out there. Yeah. So she's got a couple of races in, but then there's been a lot of time trials and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of arduous training sessions where, yeah, so to get out and do this on the track, uh, I don't know about you, Mattress, but a, a um, 10K sole on the track is tough. <laughs> mm. oh absolutely um, yeah to, to smash out the pb and um yeah that was a huge run for mel and we posted on her socials a lot of support from the run to pb community and um yeah very exciting for um for mel yeah uh, massive congratulations to mel uh huge result and yeah i know mads was super excited too when when that popped up yeah. um and zach and now we've also had a listener listener question through from hugh yeah so hugh's um who sent us in a message this big fan of the show as you're both experienced runners and now coaches are there any training training mistakes you may have made earlier on in your running careers yeah exactly your, your career's been pretty long <laughs> <than that. laughs> yeah, what, trying to trying to think back to yeah early on in your career what what sort of mistakes uh did you think up that um they, that you made and i guess you might have changed since then yeah, well, look, thanks for the question, Hugh. Yeah, mm. to be honest, there's, there's been quite a few. There's been um, there's been heaps of mistakes, and and I think you know I look back at when I really seriously got involved in running, which was sort of at 15, 16, as a as a cross country um, school cross country started to sort of get a bit more involved, and I guess I wasn't guided then, so I was just being I was just sort of going off. Um, my own thoughts around, okay, I'll, I'll start running around the block a couple of times a week as opposed to once a week and then just slowly building before I actually got involved with a, with a club and, and um, 
and got some actual coaching. But before that, and I think if I look back at what I was doing, and um, it was probably just wanting to progress um, quicker than you can in running. And it is you're constantly learning this about the balancing how much you can run, how much your body can handle, and not getting too greedy. And you know, I know when I look back um, early on in my running, I definitely did, and I, I had um, stress fractures, just multiple stress fractures, just from being impatient. Um, and that's that's a, um, I guess that is a mistake that you make as a runner early on, is that you just want to. You want to improve so much, you so much enthusiasm, but um, running's a long game and, you know, I ramped up mileage too soon. I wasn't listening to my coach. I'd sort of sneak in a few extra runs and you get trapped into um, comparing yourself to other, you know, other people in your age group who may have, or other competitors that, that, you know, you sort of copy what they've been doing um, rather than just sort of forging your own path. And I think that's a trap that a lot of runners at, at all levels can get caught in caught up into um, is that, yeah, it's, you know, everyone's at a different stage of their running. And I think you can really get sucked into seeing what others have achieved and, and forgetting about where you're at and just going on your journey. Yeah. I think social media probably hasn't really helped that either with um, when you see these you know, amazing sessions that people do and people don't post their worst sessions. They obviously no. just, they post their yeah. best sessions or their best runs. So, then you start comparing to that and then you're like, oh, I'm going to try that. And, mm. um, but it may not suit you and, and suit your program and where you're at or um, at that stage. And, and you can just get yourself really into trouble then. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that probably stems to my next point about like just reaching in sessions. Like, you know, it's important to just develop that awareness of how far you can, you can push yourself on, on different days and all the other elements of your life that can, can sort of, um, become part of whether that day you need to just back off you know if you've got other stresses going on you can't be just trying to push every session is going to feel if every run feels different uh, i think that's something i've learned that yeah you just have to um embrace some days that you just don't feel good and you just have to you know if you if you have to pull a pin you have to pull a pin and don't be afraid to do that and um you know i, I definitely felt that in marathon blocks um and it's a mistake I would have made a number of times in marathon blocks that affected me getting to the start line because I'd pushed through on some days where I was on the edge and probably over the edge. And a day off on that day probably could have saved me that marathon or at least three or four weeks off. And, uh, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's a balance. And that's where, you know, I think listening to your coach and having someone in your corner and communicating and, and reading your body you get better at it um is another thing that yeah it's it's uh it's, it's constantly you're learning and we, we just don't know what we don't have the i don't have all the answers i'm still learning a lot along the way yeah no that's good mate. actually <clears throat> that's a, a yeah i guess i'll have a fairly similar um fairly similar answer to that question when yeah. i first really got into the running and went all sort of guns blazing and i remember at one point I went down to the down the track and I was I was training with a friend and we just did yeah like four track sessions in a week. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I was pretty sure we were all both spiked up and I remember coming off that with a with a stress fracture in my second metatarsal and I was wondering what like why why did that happen? And it just wasn't yeah, I wasn't 
aware, I guess, at that stage of the gradual progression and, and that you can't go out and every session or every run you do try to, you know, go to the well for every, every single session. Um, and that you need sort of that, you know, hard day followed by recovery. And without that recovery, you, your body can't, can't keep putting up with the stresses that you put on it. And then that can lead to yeah, things like stress fractures or, or fatigue and things like that. So yeah, that, that's one of the, one of the quick lessons that I learned was that you've really got to back off. And I think that might've come a little bit from the, the sort of footballer mentality. Mm-hmm. Like I'd, I played a lot of junior football, never, never went into the seniors. Um, Cause that's when I sort of switched across to doing the running. Um, and that mentality was just, you know, if you're not finishing a session throwing up, then you haven't tried hard enough. Yeah. And it sort of like came from that sort of mentality, but that was quickly drummed out of me. Um, so I went for a coach and, and um, yeah, pulled back and, and um, yes, started getting through a steady progression rather than, and, and having it focused like of that long-term goal rather than having yeah. a short-term goal, what you were talking about before, like you can't get greedy because you can't force adaptation. Like your body has, a, it takes time to, to build up that strength, um, which is going to mean that you can absorb more work and um and then steadily build up the amount of load that your body can withstand and, and now to the point like I, mean, I guess like getting through 120 140 kilometers whereas back then if i tried that would have just broken within a few days um yeah so it's just that long-term approach and, and steady build up and just yeah just reading your body as well which you, you become so much better at and, and like you're saying there you might have to take a day off but recognizing that, all right, yeah, I am fatigued. I am a little bit sore. I'll take this day off. And um, and then that's going to save me that three or four weeks and actually get to the start line feeling good rather than getting to the start line flat or, or not even on the start line at all. You're on the bike on the side, hanging out drinks. Um, so it's, yeah, <clears throat> I think it's, a, it's just a patience was one of the things that, that yeah. I think was what I struggled with at the start. Yeah, and, and respecting um, like how... I think respecting recovery from races is, is a big one. Um, so, you know, respecting recovery during training phases, you know, like you touched on, you, you cannot train hard every day and you need to also develop that. Um, I guess just get your head around what the purpose of each run is. And if it is just a recovery run, it, it, it really is. And, and it's great when you can run with other people that, um, you know, having a recovery and you can just switch off and you don't even look at the watch and it's just a, a, a complete, um, you know, a run that you're not even focused on looking at the clock. And I think getting to the point where you can sort of recognise, okay, it doesn't really matter how run, how fast I run on these easy days, I'm just going to get them done and enjoy them and use them as time just to mentally switch off and enjoy being out in nature or being out, you know, away from the desk and, and all the rest of it. So, that's a that's a big thing is just sort of learning that yeah you, you don't have to be on for every run you can you know really switch off and enjoy those ones and then when it's session day you um you sort of respect what the goals of the session are and you, you can dial in for those and look if you look at a breakdown of a week you know that there's only a small portion of those of that week that you really do have to be dialed in and, and going at it a lot of it is just easy running um mm. and that's that's the key to getting um, week on week. And we talk about this a lot is, you know, so just building week on week, month on month. And then before you know it, you've strung three, four months together and you're in, you know, 
in a position where you've just built up that fence and um, you know those those uh, skyscrapers on Strava and you're just solid as because you've got the foundations in place. And then also recognizing that those those easy runs they like they you get a lot of benefits from them, yeah. uh, like physiological benefits and it's not just the hard sessions where you're going to get benefits from you actually get benefits from you know doing long slow runs like yeah. it's it's not just like oh and i think i went went into thinking oh the only times i'm only going to, that i'm going to get benefit from running is when i'm belting myself like mm. they're, they're not going to get benefit if i'm just running slow whereas that's not actually the case you actually get those physiological benefits from yeah. from running slow so recognizing that and and I, I was lucky enough to that both my parents were um they were big into running and i could go go down the track and watch them and then you know i could see that and, and so it was like really enjoyable and uh but yeah just seeing it go like going down and watching and, and seeing people run fast and that's what i wanted to do and that was the fun aspect of it so yeah. it's so easy to get caught up in in just trying to build everything because you're like that's that's what I, I, I didn't get into running to run slow i got into it to yeah. run fast <laughs> So um, yeah, it's hard to get caught up in it, but then yeah, just appreciating that it is good to just get out and yeah go for an easy jog on a Friday, and and that's that's part of it. And change the scenery, yeah, change the loop around, change the surface you run on. You know that can be a really good way to mix it up, so you're not feel like you don't feel like you're just getting out there and it's just oh, this, I'm just ticking this one off because I have to. It's like you know I'm I'm actually moving in a different area and I can sort of really focus on you know, taking that in as a, as part of the run. Excited once again to have the man with over 30 years of elite and professional racing, over 20 years of running and triathlon coaching and shoe dog extraordinaire from the running company Yarraville and coach of run to PB, Sammy McLean. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, good day, Matty. How are you, Zaka? Zaka, it was a nice intro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sammy. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Good. Going okay here. Uh, Looks like, uh, unlike myself and Mattress, you're, you're handling lockdown pretty well, judging by your hair. As you can see from uh, Matty and I, how's, how's it gone a bit wild? Uh, yeah, it was nothing <laughs> Nothing much changes up, up top <laughs> yeah. here. So, yeah, but I don't really go too much of a beard either, so it's... Um, this is pretty much the look. <laughs> Yours is getting pretty wild, Zaka. It is. Uh, yeah, I really need those barbs. It's gone beyond uh, my own skills to, to sort that out. And Charm's not putting her hand up to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> plenty, of, plenty of good lockdown beards out there. There is. Yeah. And you're uh, you getting out for some runs, Sammy? Yeah, nothing too much has changed since I think we last spoke. Just, yeah, a bit of, fair bit of running, fair bit of riding. Um, just... Yeah, integrating the two. Um, taking the foot off the pedal a little bit in terms of probably the marathon approach, but um, as we're just chatting off air, probably yeah. make a call at the end of this week whether to, to press on with the, the Melbourne training or um, maybe look to something kind of in the new year like Canberra or something. Yeah, yeah nice one. Um, yeah. Stoked to have you back on again, and we've, we've got a few questions to get through, uh, listening sure. question later on, but um, I guess we were sort of talking about the way we're running at the moment, and um, even in lockdown, is it, you know, that some of the way we're, we're running, throwing in a few extra, um, you know, pick up runs, things like that, so in terms of having a shoe that you can, as a bit of an all-rounder, is there a, is there a shoe that's quite versatile, and, and what does make a shoe versatile? Yeah, easy. Good, 
Good question. I like this because I kind of love my, my versatile shoes personally. I suppose when we're talking about a, a versatile shoe, it's not technically a, a category of shoe. It's more a, a way of describing how a shoe kind of behaves or might, might function for a runner. So how it's, um, you know, how it might be handling different paces or different surfaces and so forth in terms of that's how a shoe is, is versatile. Like brands will often have a quite a defined um, way of going, you know, this is a support shoe, this is a neutral shoe, this is a racing shoe. Whereas they don't really set out to go, this is a, you know, this is a versatile shoe, so to speak. Um, I've kind of often wondered if uh, shoes that become really versatile are actually shoes that maybe in production they didn't get quite right, if that makes sense. Like maybe, maybe they set out to have it in a particular way and then just for whatever reason, they didn't quite nail the design and it just ended up being a, you know, a versatile shoe. Um, so I've got, I've actually got a couple of examples here if you want me to just show you a little more what I'm, so this is a, a new shoe from Mizuno here, the um, the Rebellion. So I've, I've actually been doing a little bit in this. So I don't really understand, not so much understand, but I, I, I kind of wonder what Mizuno had in mind when they were designing this because it's got a lot of attributes of a, say, like a super shoe, like its price point is $300. Uh, it's got PVAX foam. It's got a carbon plate. So, you know, that's three things that normally you'd associate with a super shoe. But then you kind of delve a little bit deeper into the shoe and the weight of it's like 250 grams. Um, you know, it's got a lot of outer sole rubber here, so it's quite durable. So you don't really associate those two things with a, you know, with a super shoe. So in the end, what you get is like, I'm guessing like a pretty kind of versatile shoe. So, you know, it could probably be a daily trainer for someone. It could probably be a race shoe for someone. It could probably be a, a session shoe for someone. Um, so that, that's probably a pretty good example that I can go through of a quite a versatile shoe. Um, Another one I've got here that I've really enjoyed in the past is the, the Saucony Speed. So, you know, again, I don't think it's, you know, it's not quite a, not quite a super shoe. It's probably not quite a, a mileage shoe, but it's, it just seems to complement like a lot of different training paces and distances. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as I said, I, I personally really enjoy shoes that are quite versatile. Um, but it's not really a, technically a category of, of shoe. It's just more how the runner tends to, you know, use it um, within their training, if that makes sense. Uh, and what sort of aspects would you look for in a shoe you classify as versatile? Like you look for it to be cushioned, you look for it, you know, responsive so you can get some faster sessions happening. Like what sort of aspects would you, um, what, what would you see? Yeah, I mean, it, it's normally all of those things. Like it, it tends to be, quite broad in the way that it that it that it can be used versus being too you know too specific um yeah so you know weight wise they'll always be you know around a particular weight um i think they will generally have a certain level of being responsive um you know give you something back back off the ground but then you know they can also probably be used over you know some longer 
faster runs as well. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, Maddie, you've, uh, you've had the peg turbo in the past in your rotation, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've used that. Well, what was it a couple of years ago? Really, was the, the last time it came out, and I was actually devastated when they stopped producing it. And I was actually yeah. thinking, like, why it was that that Nike, um, yeah, didn't go ahead and, and keep pushing that peg turbo. I wasn't sure if it was because it became a versatile shoe and they wanted people to more, you know, buy specific shoes so they would buy you know you'd buy your daily training you'd buy your racing shoe you buy your tempo shoe rather than having a shoe that's going to cover across them all so they're going to sell you know more shoes around that i don't know, I don't know if that's something that that yeah i think no yeah i mean i think that kind of highlights what we're just just chatting about and i wonder what nike's idea was when they first designed that shoe and then it was probably more a result of runners like yourself going oh well gee i can actually use this on you know, on my sessions, I can use this on on my daily run. So it, it it's more that it's almost like the the runner almost manipulates a little bit. You know what the the aim of the shoe was versus how it ends ends up being used by um you know like like a broad spectrum of of runners. Yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking I'd, I'd put it put it down as a bit of the Max Gorn of the uh, football world. Like you can chuck him down forward and he'll kick five goals. You put him on the rock and he'll, he'll tap it down, but then he'll do some tackles. Like it, it had a bit of everything. And, and I know I used it for, um, I remember the first time I used it was in a fartlek and, a, and a two minutes on one minute float fartlek for 30 minutes. And I got to the end of that and, and it had, um, yeah, it hit the session really well. And uh, it probably wasn't, it's not all just about the shoes, but the shoes felt really good doing that sort of, um, sort of, I guess, Oh, I guess sort of 5K-ish sort of pace that I was trying to target. Um, and I came away from that thinking I'd, I'd almost be tempted to race in this shoe. Like it felt yeah. that good. Uh, but then I chucked it on for, for a long run and I thought, oh, came back and I really liked the cushioning um, that was in the shoe. And I came back feeling like, oh, this is a great long run shoe. Like I could almost wear this every day. Like, and I, yeah, and so that's why I was pretty devastated when they got rid of it. And I even chucked it on for some 400 metre reps on the track um, yeah. and came out of that thinking, geez, I can... I could get moving in these shoes as well. They're really responsive with that foam X. So yeah, it was a shoe that, um, yeah, I really noticed that it was, had that versatility. Yeah. And I think because you've had good experiences in it in different types of sessions, then you just tend to rotate it in as a, well, that, that's versatile. Uh, mm. yeah. I think that shoe was more kind of targeted initially as a, as a mileage shoe for Kipchoge, if, if, if I'm correct. And then, but because it was called the turbo, I think people kind of thought, oh, well, turbo means kind of fast or whatever. So it kind of became a, a session shoe and, you know, yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, you can... definitely, definitely a versatile shoe from, from memory, the, the turbo. Yeah. Sammy, I was just thinking from a training perspective, often, um, you know, at the start of a training block, maybe in the start of a marathon block where you're starting to do some workouts, maybe a versatile shoe is a good way to, to break break yourself back into that that um you know routine of sessions and rather than going straight into the into the lightweight you know flats um or super shoes i, I know when yeah, I almost do. like a, a way of transitioning mm. yeah, into shoes for sure yeah and i think i think um you know with particular shoes there can be a little bit more of a transitioning process into rather than just jumping from one model to the other you can almost have a have a shoe there in your rotation that just helps your body adjust to mm. what, what you're trying to get to in your, in your, 
you know, in your next shoot. Yeah. Yeah, think about recovery point of view as well, eh? just being able yeah. to come off those sessions early on and, and feel like you know, you're not too banged up the next day. Yep. Yeah. What about the New Balance fuel cell TC, Sammy? I've, I've had that one and I've used that. It's probably not so much on a, I guess, on a long run, but I've used it across multiple types of sessions. Um, and I guess it was more like a feel. I bought it for like a tempo run, but I've, I've been, I just sort of went for a jog in it the other day and it, and it felt really good. Yeah, that's a, another good example, I reckon, of a shoe that for one runner could be a, you know, it could be their race shoe. For another runner, it could be their their mileage mileage shoe, and for another runner, yeah, like a like a session type shoe. Um, I mean, look, sometimes with those shoes, it, it can be a matter of where the plate might sit in them, um, where you tend to get some kind of like cushion from the foam versus the shoe being too rigid. Like I think when a shoe becomes too rigid, almost the longer you go in it and the slower you go in it, it doesn't feel as nice. Um, yeah, so the TNC I reckon yeah ticks that box of being quite a versatile versatile shoe for sure. Um, yeah, I think it's come across that of yeah I think it's the cushioning that I really yeah. enjoy out of that shoe and, and same with the the um, the peg turbos as well that made it feel like a, a that sort of gave me that versatility. Um, yeah, so Sammy with the super shoes. So I was just wondering how could a runner who trains in support shoes um, best choose a super shoe? Like if you're constantly in those support shoes and you're wondering to, if you want to step up into, you know, up into a, a racing type super shoe, what, what would they look for? Yeah, it's a good one. Like even though technically brands aren't offering like a super shoe that, um, you know, offers support, so to speak, I suppose, some super shoes will be probably more stable than others, you know, and there's a few kind of attributes to a shoe that might make a, a shoe more stable. Like one thing you can kind of look for that, that can provide a runner with some stability through a shoe is like when you turn a shoe underfoot and you're looking at the, the platform and the amount of like surface area you're getting through a shoe. So, you know, you I suppose no matter where your foot hits the ground, you, you know, part of the shoe is, is making contact with the ground. So that's, you know, that's one thing you could look for, you know, in a super shoe is, you know, how much of a platform is underfoot. Um, you know, the other thing you can kind of look for um, that might, you know, give some kind of stability through a shoe is often, often the, the firmness of, of the foam. So if a shoe is you know, relatively firm and rigid, the shoe should, you know, function relatively um, stable for the runner through through their gait cycle versus, you know, I've got a shoe here that's like very flexible, very soft. You can imagine that's not going to be very stable, stable for a runner. Um, yeah, so I think you've almost got to get a little bit clever and look at how how is a shoe stable and can I can I get that from a, you know, from a, from some, some super shoes and some, some super shoes are definitely more stable, stable than others. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that looking for that rigidity in the right parts, which you've almost got to match up a little bit, um, you know, based on your mechanics, you know, where are you efficient with your gates, gate cycle? Where aren't you? Um, and can the shoe do something there to kind of um, help, help in that? Yeah. Yeah, does that kind of make sense? Like, does that? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what's I mean, this? This like this rebellion here, like it's um, you know, just to highlight how a shoe can be stable in some parts and maybe not as stable in others is like the plate kind of sits a little bit more through the rear foot here. So if someone kind of was like quite strong on their their heel through their gait cycle, that's going to be quite stable under there. Then it's a little bit more flexible than say a you know like a an alpha fly that's like really stiff and rigid up through that ball foot. So again, it kind of depends where you hit the shoe, you know, where are you efficient through the shoe and your foot strike and how, how can the shoe work with you in that regard? Um, yeah. I mean, look, in terms of like support shoes, and I'm sure I've probably touched on this a little bit support, you know, when customers walk in the door at, at our shop, you know, let's just say 10 people walked in the door and, and, and they needed support shoes, normally it's because of like pronation within their gait cycle. And sometimes it might be because of a, an injury concern where we're trying to, um, you know, navigate through. It might be something like tip post issues or something like that. So, yeah, it, it, as I touched on, even though the super shoe doesn't have that medial support, some will give um, better stability through the, through the shoe versus others. Uh, yeah. So you can get pretty good guidance when you're in the store, obviously uh, on a treadmill as well as getting the and the athletes um, running history. Is that how you'd sort of guide them into that that first super shoe? Yeah, really, just just understanding the runner, you know, the story of the runner. Mm. Um, again, I think we've talked about this a little bit. Is just their history of shoes. Like I, I think that always really helps us make good decisions about maybe the types of super shoes we think might work for them. Mm. Um, you know, if they're coming from some shoes that are already quite high stack, you know, they might be in a hoker or something, then maybe we look for that in a super shoe. Um, or if they're, you know, maybe they're using some, some lower drop type shoes in their, in their rotation, then maybe we look for that in a, in a super shoe. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I think that history of shoes is always a good one when it comes to making that that next update with with your footwear. Yeah, nice one. Sammy, got a question um, leading into the track season here in Australia. Um, yeah, we're going to be um, getting on the tartan tracks, and uh, there's a few athletes that are um, yeah looking to transition into to spikes. Um, is there some tips? For runners who are maybe their first time using spikes, or and or just coming out of um, out of winter training, out of the super shoes and in, onto the track into some spikes. Yeah, um, I mean, I actually had a good good chat to Chris Armstrong, one of the uh, run to PV coaches, who um, has been on the podcast a few times. Always speaks really well, Chris. Um, this is probably a good one where, again, we really want to look at. What's the story behind the runner? Like, you know, maybe what what injuries have they had in the past? What types of shoes are they currently wearing? Have they maybe got a shoe in their rotation that we can use to help them transition into spikes? So in, in Chris's case, I remember um, he had the LT, um, you know, the streak, the quite mm. that quite aggressive Nike Nike racing flat. So even though he hadn't been using it a lot recently, I said, well, 
let's let's bring that into your rotation. Let's get comfortable with that. Um, you know, that's probably going to strengthen your calves and Achilles a little bit to you know to withstand that that load that you're going to feel through the spikes. Yeah, so it's it's a lot less about. I mean, we don't even really look at the the gait cycle of a of a runner when they come in for spikes. It's more just trying to understand. Uh, yeah, the, the shoes that they're currently using, and you're almost just trying to limit that risk factor of going too quickly into the spikes. Um, and yeah, just you know, wh where are they strong? Where, you know, is there something that we can incorporate in in their training to kind of help that transition? So again, like if we look at the, you know, the calf and Achilles, you know, things like some calf raises, you know, maybe some strides in bare feet. Um, yeah, just just making subtle changes to the shoes. Uh, yeah, because I know the other. I got some dragonflies. Oh, was it when that when there was a, a drop not too long ago? And I, I was quickly onto the. Well, oh, just, only just got in. I, I know I had to search around to get my get my size. Actually, there was a a lot of stores had, had sold out pretty quickly. But I got some dragonflies, and yeah, I I messaged you, Sammy. Yeah. Um, yeah, damn good looking shoe. They're um, yeah. Really impressive, impressive. Best spike I've ever had, that's for sure. What spikes have you had before, Mattress? Um, I had when the, was last time you bought a pair of spikes? Yeah, I would have, I've had the Matumbos. I've had quite a few sets of Matumbos. I've never had the Victories, um, but pretty much stuck to the Matumbos. I might have had the Lenang sort of steeple spikes for a little bit as well. Um, but, yeah, the, the, I did like the Matumbos. I did a lot of racing in cross-country and, and track in them. Uh, but yeah, just the, I pulled up after the session. So I messaged you, Sammy, and, and asked, and I, I didn't see your response until after I'd done the session. Um, and you advised me to do something quite a bit less than what I did on the, on the day. I think, I think you told me to do sort of, well, maybe sort of five or six strides rather than four, four hundreds. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I pulled up really well and they're, um, yeah, I mean, they're like compared to, you know, the, oh, the super shoes, I, I put, I, I did four, four hundreds in super shoes um, in the Vaporfly, the, the next percent. And then I pulled those on and um, and could definitely feel like the rigidity in the shoe. Um, and it took, a, a definitely the first rep, I felt a little bit awkward, but the second rep was much better. Um, and you could just feel the, the Zoom X through the midsole uh, really gave it a lot more cushioning. And yeah, it felt a lot more support than what I've ever had. In a, in a spike before um, but definitely I know that the things I've been doing are like yeah, you were saying before calf raises so strengthening those and doing seated calf raises with some pretty heavy weights um, I also do some sort of some skipping as well um, just to yeah get everything sort of strong enough to hopefully be able to pull on the spikes and, and not get too sore and so that was yeah I was pretty lucky that I, that I pulled up really well in terms of the calves and Achilles my ankle was pretty stiff where I'd had a had um surgery before on that ankle to clear up some bone spurs um sure. that settled down over over the next couple of days after after that session I haven't put them on since um yep. but yeah I'm looking to in the next probably couple of weeks um yeah and, then, and was that that was on the track was it Matty or yeah that was on the track yeah so lucky enough that Mornington tracks within our 5k bubble so Went, went down there for, for that session. And um, yeah, I reckon I'll, I don't think I'll do another one this week, but probably next week, I think I'll, I'll get back on the track for, for another session and probably do a little bit more than the four 400s in them. Yeah. I mean, that, so 
it's good hearing all that feedback because there's, I suppose your little story there is, um, you know, it's probably a combination of the shoe was probably assisted a little bit, like, you know, the foam in these, in these super shoe track spikes. Um, you know, you, your calves, Achilles, things like that have been, you know, really good for the last kind of six to 12 months. You know, you run a lot of hills in, in training and so forth. So you've probably, whether you've intended to or not, you're, you've probably set yourself up quite well to, to transition into, you know, into the spikes relatively safely. Um, you, you had a pair of the New Balance, uh, what was it? The I think I actually encouraged you to get them. It was yeah. like a six mil drop. Uh, the, Rebel. The, the Rebel, yeah, the V1. Yeah. The, the V1. Um, mm. You know, like that's probably a shoe you maybe could have used a couple of times before throwing on the throwing on the the, the spikes. Yeah, but anyway, it sounds like you've um yeah pulled up pretty safely in it and um yeah, which which is good. Yeah, touch wood that continues. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think enjoyed. probably because the... they were fun shoe to try on. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. I think the key now would be to like frequently use them. Yeah, so you know, so just. Yeah, everything kind of is, is familiar. You know, you're not leaving it too long between using them again. Yeah, yeah I think you're right there. I was um, I was going to head down to the track uh, last week, but I was oh, just for even just to, to roll out some 200s, um, you know, just eight by 200 with 200 jogs, something a bit shorter. But yeah, just to keep that momentum going with the spikes. And I think that's a really good point. Yeah, just not to chuck them on and hope that, you know, I pulled up a right, need to keep, keep going with that and keep building the strength in order to then hopefully hit some some track sessions during the summer and my, i mean my my advice with chris was very conservative um like i probably took like the smoke the, the safest approach but i suppose we 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 went with that because he doesn't really want to be in them until um the summer track season season so we had plenty of time up our sleeve there's no rush so i was just like all right you know, do your calf work, um, do some strides in your LTs, then maybe do a couple of sessions in your LTs, then introduce the spikes with some strides and so forth. And, yeah, so um, probably two examples there of your probably jump, you know, kick-started or well, not kick-started, but you've, you've probably um, jumped that section a little bit quicker than, than what Chris is going to, but that's fine. It sounds like you've, um, yeah, you've, you've got through it. Okay. Yeah, and like when you talked about before, looking at the history, uh, like I've been using spikes for, well, other than the past couple of years, I've been using spikes a lot um, in my running when I used to do a lot more track races. So, yeah, it is something that I guess I'm probably more, a little bit more adjusted to. Um, yeah. I was going to say, Mattress, would you be doing a workout a week in spikes during summer? Uh, yeah, at least at least one or two, and even mm. pretty much during during winter, we'd always be doing yeah, well, yeah. eight four or up to ten to twelve four hundreds or eight fours with a float. The Dex quarter session, yeah, uh, pretty much yeah, weekly spiking up for that. Mm, spiking up for that, yep, yep. Nice. Probably why I needed ankle surgery. Zach, you've run a have you run a ten k in spikes? Is that right? I have, yeah, and um, yeah. I I didn't transition well enough into them so I, I came off that with um yeah. 
with some Achilles. I think Achilles in Achilles had sort of been hanging around prior to that, and I was probably just just on top, and that seemed to put it over the edge of ten k in uh, in spikes, and I hadn't worn spikes for quite a bit, quite a while. So um, yeah, that was a, a live and learn uh, moment. <laughs> I borrowed spikes too, weren't they? They weren't yours. Yeah, they weren't actually mine. And <laughs> the the spikes I was going to go with, um, yeah, they weren't they weren't ready to go. So I had an opportunity to wear a different pair, and yeah. Had a good good race, but um, yeah, paid I, I paid the price. 3021? <laughs> 30, 20, 30, uh, 25, I think. In the end. 25, um, giving you some yeah, it's Tiger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. I was, I was well behind you. Well, 20 seconds, we fit a lot of um teenagers for spikes, and like when you look at that demographic compared to say a 40 year old runner. You know, they're normally like really light, you know, pretty efficient. Um, they're probably already doing a lot of their training in like flats and so forth. Mm. Um, so it, it's normally like actually a really pretty safe, easy transition into spikes. So, yeah, just I think that, again, just kind of highlights how the the history of the runner and the story of the runner really um, probably dictates how how quickly you adjust to them yeah, and how safely you do. Yeah. Sure. Now, Sam, we also had a uh, listener question come in through Instagram from Anna, Anna Ellis. And yeah, thanks very much, Anna, for, for supplying this question. And she wanted to know, how do you know when it's time for new shoes? Yeah, easy. I, I coach Anna. She likes her shoes. So I think she probably <laughs> wants us to say it's time for it's time for new <laughs> shoes or something. Yeah. I mean, look, we've I know we've probably touched on this in, in you know a few different ways over the over the you know, uh, different episodes. Maybe one thing I could add to, um, you know, when do we know it's time for an update is probably, say with your mileage shoe, when you get to about 300K or so of using it, maybe just pay a little bit more attention to how it, how it feels and how it's kind of behaving in your runs. Like, mm. does it feel how it felt after 100K or does it feel like, you know, vastly different to... To how it felt, and then, and then that I reckon that's kind of telling you a bit more about the shoe and what you might expect the shoe to kind of um, feel like in the next few hundred k. So if it's changed a lot, I would say that it's probably only got another couple of hundred k left. Versus if it actually feels a lot like how it maybe felt after hundred k, then maybe the lifespan of the shoe is actually going to be, you know quite quite good yeah but i think look it always comes down to how frequently are you using the shoes how are you using the shoes you know are you are you rotating the shoes are you letting the foam you know retain its kind of um uh integrity a little bit after its runs probably another way to really look after your shoes and again i'm sure we've maybe mentioned this but just just use them for running like don't use them for everything else. Yeah, so that'll really um, <clears throat> improve the, the lifespan of the shoe. Yeah. Um, I, I try to not get too caught up in the wear pattern of the shoe. Like I think, I think the more I've fitted people, the more I've learned about, you know, different people's mechanics and gait cycles and, and injuries and that, I think the wear patterns maybe don't tell us as much as we think about the shoe other than that's just where 
a runner probably puts their force in the shoe and that that's it. I don't think it's really telling us too much about their ankle, their foot, you know, how efficient they are and how that might be actually um, wearing the shoe out. Yeah, so I think um, I would probably rely a little bit more on the how is the shoe feeling for the runner um, and just just using that as a bit more of a guide. Um, yeah, and look, there's always, I suppose, the metric of, you know, that kind of six to 800K in a, in a mileage shoe. Um, yeah, I think that's probably... Probably the key component. Yeah, yeah, go for it, Zach. So, I mean, based on, on that sort of six to 800K, uh, I know with foam yeah. and the new technology, has has the newer shoes, like, improved that? Or is it pretty much still at that, that level? Like, you know, you think about whether there's, I don't know if the shoe company is yeah. trying to get you to buy more shoes or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just wondered that. I, I would almost say brands now are, are almost saying to a runner, like, you're going to get a better experience out of this shoe, but you're not going to quite get the durability that you once got. Mm. So, you know, you might, I'll just throw out a number, you might wear the shoe 300 times and have, you know, 250 really enjoyable runs in it versus a shoe's going to last you 600 runs, but mm. 500 of those runs aren't going to be you know, the most enjoyable. That's, uh, I hope that kind of make, makes sense what I've just thrown out there. But, yeah, so I think it's probably more the you're buying a shoe now for the experience of it. You know, it feels comfortable, it feels plush, it feels responsive versus you're going to get that really high high um, durability out of it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I think, I think the majority of the foams are probably indicating that... Uh, yeah, they, they probably bottom out a bit a bit quicker than, than you know, your models five or ten years ago. Yeah. But then for me on the flip side is that I, I feel like I recover better off my hard sessions in, say, a super shoe. So then I don't actually feel the impact as much on the easier days. So whether that's just a, a training effect more than actual um, what the, you know, the, underneath the foot is i just don't feel like um you know my shoes i don't know i feel like it lasts longer because yeah. i'm feeling better on my uh, you know pulling up better yeah. on the sessions days i don't know if that makes any sense to to you guys but yeah, yeah. that's sort of how i because I mean, i'd always sort yeah. of come off the back of sessions and be like oh, i'm flat and tired and then i'm in the shoes i'm like oh maybe it's also the shoes but it could be a combination yeah i think when you've got a number of shoes in your rotation you'll you might, um, your ability to maybe read the shoe and mm. its durability might be less than, say, if someone only had one pair of shoes. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're, they're probably going to really be able to have a, almost like an intuitive feel of, um, you know, how that, that shoe feels each run. Yep. Yeah. And then, look, then there's some shoes that almost come to life a little bit mm. through their lifespan. Like we spoke about the Mizuno 5. Um, the review we did a, about a month ago, like I think that shoe would almost um, not have a second life to it, but might become more enjoyable the longer you know you, you get into its um, lifespan. Yeah, yeah, I've been wearing that a lot actually. Um, in my, uh, I wore it yesterday on the long run. Um, I wore it a few times throughout the week, and 
who I think the Wednesday, that sort of that midweek long run and a couple of easy runs. And yeah, I've, I've found that absolutely what you're saying there, Sammy. The, the longer I run in it, the better it feels. And I remember yeah. the first time I put it on, I'm like, oh, I really don't, I'm really not a massive fan of this shoe. But yeah, every run has got better. I don't know when that turning point is going to be, but it does seem like a, a, a pretty durable shoe at this stage. Yeah. I mean, I, I turn my shoes over pretty quickly, obviously, like, you know, I'm fortunate to be in the position to try lots of shoes and um, be in the industry. So I'm not the best person to, to judge shoes on the durability. But what I do do a bit, though, is I'll put a shoe aside and then maybe come back to it in six months and just pull it out again and then start using it. So I kind of get about 200K into shoes and go, OK, now it's time for something else. But I, I do enjoy then going back to it and then seeing kind of, oh, okay, how, how's it feeling now after 300K, 400K? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I do have some shoes in my rotation that um, have got up to like eight, 900K, um, but I just haven't used them like that from the start, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've kind of, uh, yeah, just brought them in and out of the rotation at different times. Yeah. Particularly with the super shoes, I've, I've, I've got a, um, an athlete, Paul, who, um, Dan Sazzy, he, he's got a pair that he wore one marathon and then he put them back in the box and might bring them out again. So there isn't any issues with doing that. Um, like, is there any, <laughs> I don't know if the, the technology around um, storing them or, you know, if, if there's any, yeah. anything now, around that? I think probably the main maybe um, approach in terms of caring for your shoes would be like, if they get wet, that'll probably affect the foam. Yeah. If, if they get too hot where you're storing them, that'll probably um, affect the foam, if, especially like the PVAX type, type yeah. foams and so forth. So, yeah, like the, you know, the boot of your car or something, you probably yeah. want to be mindful of, of where, where you're keeping them. Yeah. Um, or if you go out and you um, jump through a few puddles, don't get the hairdryer on them um, to dry them out for the next day kind of thing. Yeah, yeah that, using that, that kind sense. of stuff. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't, don't have a hairdryer here. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I think you'd be pretty safe just to throw them in the box and mm. yeah, pull them out again in six months, and they should be, they should be in, in pretty good, um, you know, in, in a pretty good way. Yeah, yeah, nice one. Yeah, cool, awesome. Well. Sammy, thanks so much for jumping on. Always a pleasure to to have you on and and hear yeah your wisdom after yeah especially chatting about the um about their jumping in those spikes you know it's got me excited again to to yeah, try. almost almost convinced me to just yeah, exactly. get these spikes uh, Sammy <laughs> yeah I reckon, yeah I mean Maddie you I reckon the other thing you could do as well is um you know if it sounds like you've you've pulled up fine and like you could almost even just incorporate a, a racing flat as well into your in, you know into your rotation um yeah do some sessions in in a racing flat if you're down at the track and you know you know those sessions where you might do like a like a tempo and then a some faster stuff like you could use the flats for your for the tempo section and then jump into the spike so um yeah even within the same session kind of mixing up your your shoe selection a little bit mm, yeah that's a good idea after have to try that, especially that. I like that session, the tempo into some some faster stuff with it, and chuck those spikes on for that faster stuff. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, so good having you on, Sammy, again. Um, yeah, listening, as I said, listening to that wisdom. Um, yeah, and it's a pleasure and we'll, we'll um, be catching up again to, to chat some shoes again in probably in another month or something. Yep, pleasure, guys. Thanks, Sammy, and uh, big shout out to the running company Yarraville for um, all their support and uh, they're still, still operating online. They've got the store going. You can click and collect as well, Sammy. Yeah, still doing as much as we can through the virtual fittings. Um, I mean, it's kind of one thing we all really enjoy at the shop is having those conversations with people about their running and so forth. So obviously not being able to do the gait analysis and have people in in the shop, um, we get to, yeah, go back to those like conversations again. And, um, you know, so that's all kind of happening over the phone and, and so forth. So yeah, still really kind of encourage people to give us a buzz and, you know, we can have a chat about your shoes and um, help you with your next update and, you know, try our best to get you into the, you know, the shoe that's right for you. Fantastic, Sammy. Thanks again, mate. Thanks, mate. Pleasure, guys. Take care.